0: Welcome to episode two of From Adventurer to Innkeeper, a podcast for all LARPers. I am your host, Martin, and we will be talking about live action roleplay events and experiences. Throughout this series, we will talk about specific LARPs and also more general topics surrounding LARP. Today, we will be looking at various different kinds of LARP, such as player focused LARP or PvP LARP, one shot multi-story campaigns, plot versus participatory, and also the different styles of LARP, from Boffer to Nordic to Southern Way, New Italian style. This show is for both new LARPers through to seasoned veterans, and we will be implementing a scale to let you know the main focus of the episode. Episodes will air every odd month, so January, March, May, July, September, November, and will be approximately an hour in length. Every episode is for everyone, but some will focus on more issues which will resonate more with one group or another. As such, we will have a scale which will tell you the focus of the topics, and possibly the depths of some of the various bogs and dungeons we will wade into. The scale for this particular episode will be 3, also known as the Established Hero. As this episode covers a wide range of LARPs, I've arranged for some guests to help me in the studio, and we have three pre-recorded online interviews with a few individuals to help define and explain a few of the styles we will be talking about today. With me in the studio today, I have Laura, who aside from being our expert on theater LARP, will be contributing to the discussion on the differences of these various LARP styles.
1: Oh, hi, I'm Laura, (laughs) nice to be here.
0: Uh, Also joining us uh, is Drew, who will be talking more about boffer LARP and again, joining in the discussion after we've defined what these various LARP are.
2: Hi, I'm Drew, thanks
0: for having me. Before we enter into our discussion on the different style of LARP, we should spend a few minutes defining at least what some of these major styles are. So normally I would have had a guest here explaining this to you, but unfortunately due to real life circumstances, Uh, Since this is being recorded during the wonderful COVID-19 episode, I unfortunately do not. So therefore, um, I'm going to have to explain um, what Nordic LARP is to you by myself. So the easiest way to describe what Nordic LARP is, is that it's a shared, uh, it's a term for the shared LARP traditions of Norway, Sweden, Denmark, and Finland, and it's set apart from others because it strongly emphasizes collaboration and collective creation as well as unobtrusive rules and a rich variety of playstyles and settings. So one of the important things to remember with Nordic LARP is that unlike a lot of other LARPs that you see, or unlike Boffer LARPs, what you get in Nordic LARP really is a collaborative effort of the players. The Nordic LARPs that I myself have played in, the one thing that everyone has always sort of emphasized is that no one player can win the game. The game is either collectively won or it's essentially collectively lost. Even if you may win your plot, the collective plot doesn't revolve around you individually. So one of the concepts of Nordic LARP that I really enjoy is what's called play to lose. And play to lose is a concept where by you not necessarily pursuing every avenue that your backstory wants you to pursue, and by playing collectively with others, you open up yourself to the possibility of seeing other options and other possibilities that you may not have considered. Some of the LARPs that are Nordic LARPs that are familiar to a lot of people. Our College of Wizardry, uh, New World Magic Schoola is a Nordic LARP, Fairweather Manor was a Nordic LARP. Uh, so you have these kinds of LARP that give you this option of playing as a collective and playing toward the greater good. And it's a very northern european style of thinking and the biggest pitfall that americans have with it is seeing themselves as part of the bigger whole as as opposed to seeing themselves as the individual player uh i can highly recommend nordic larp and and especially things like um college of wizardry if you want to try those out um one of our later shows will be discussing the blockbuster larp format uh up next is alex of quest adventure gaming who currently run outbound hope and will be running starfall academy alex will be helping us to define genre larps so today we have alex of quest adventure gaming as a guest to talk to us about genre larp so could you please introduce yourself to our listeners Yeah,
3: absolutely. So my name is Alex Richmond, and I'm the owner and director of Quest Adventure Gaming. Um, We're based out of Watkins Glen, New York, um, but we we do events uh, in a number of different areas, um, most of them in and around upstate New York. But our our biggest project and certainly our flagship project is the Outbound Hope Mission, uh, which is set aboard the USS Edson, which is in Bay City, Michigan.
0: Excellent. And how would you describe a genre LARP to a new player?
3: I think one of the things that's really exciting about LARPs in general right now is, is we're, I mean, there's so many different new opportunities of, of LARP. And typically when we're talking about this thing of genre LARP, um, you're looking at something that's it's going to be highly immersive. It's going to be very theme oriented. Um, so in, in the case of a lot of what we do, With something like the outbound hope mission where you've got more of a space opera kind of feel um it's it's you know really going to cater to that that little niche to that specific subgenre of of player um so we we actually you know just just by virtue of of what you know our project is with with something like the outbound hope mission We've actually reached far beyond your typical LARPer and, and have been really able to appeal more to people who really just enjoy that specific genre, that being the, the very Battlestar Galactica kind of feel. Um, so anytime you're talking about a, like a genre LARP, you're, you're going to have some specific um, thing that it's going to focus on. And, and I think that that lets you really make it pretty special.
0: So compared to other styles of LARP, such as Nordic LARP or Boffer LARP, what would you say sets genre games apart? I,
3: I think it's going to kind of depend on the genre, but I, I think as a, as a whole, you're going to find something that's typically much more immersive um, in that particular area. You're going to find something that, that is going to play with a lot more of those common tropes and themes um, and ideas. And, and, again, it, I mean, it, it helps to sort of filter that audience of, you know, this this is what I enjoy and this is what I want to see. Um, a lot of times with, you know, some, some more of the buffer kind of stuff, so the emphasis might be more on the, the rule set or the opportunities and things like that. Um, and and I would argue that one of the, the, the beauties of genre games is that you can really... Um, pull together that really cohesive beautiful story that's set in that particular realm that you want it to be.
0: So do all the LARPs that Quest Adventure Gaming run use sort of a genre format?
3: Not all of them. Um, One of the things that we um, were we're looking forward to, especially once this whole pandemic situation has calmed down, um, is we're actually going to really start to diversify quite a bit in terms of the games that we run. Um, so we will continue to run the Outbound Hope mission. Um, currently, that's our, our second season of that, is slated for this November. Obviously, with everything that's going on, there's a possibility that we might have to push that back. Uh, into next year which we're hoping to avoid but also you know players or player safety is going to come first um but regardless that will continue to use that that genre format um we're also looking at um our our starfall academy which i always tell people is sort of jedi academy meets hogwarts um and that's going to be a very specific genre game but we also do a lot of other stuff and we're also looking forward to doing a lot of other stuff. Um, we are looking at a, a s- two separate games that are also set within the outbound universe. One of them being much more combat oriented, um, and, and that focusing more on our Marine story. And then we're also actually, um, even now while we're in COVID mode here, um, we're actually looking at the possibility of doing some things that are more mega game style where they're almost like a, multi-person board game kind of thing where folks can like come in via zoom um and actually kind of what we originally had cut our teeth on as a company was doing a lot of uh like murder mystery style events within different communities and we're looking to continue to do a lot of that sort of stuff as well so i, I would say a lot of what we do is certainly genre format um but depending on our, on our audience and our location and really what game we're looking at um we we do a lot more and um we're looking forward to coming out of quarantine and getting back in that saddle. So.
0: <laughs> is there anything else you would like our listeners to know about Jean lords?
3: Yeah, I would, I would say find, you know, find the, the niche that you're, you're a part of. I mean, there's so many great games out there right now, which is so exciting. I mean, you've got a lot more of your traditional medieval kind of things, the Witcher schools and whatnot, but I mean, there's, there's so many great opportunities, um, I mean, all you have to do is look. I mean, uh, I, I was speaking with a, a, a new friend actually at Outbound, and uh, she was telling me all about a um, a Westworld game that she had played. Um, I know there's a number of other ones that are a bit more um, uh, unique in, in their styles. Uh, I'm familiar with one particular game where everyone is, is – uh, they're the elves in Santa's workshop – and it's a very much a, a capitalist versus um, socialist kind of uh, political political thing. So I mean, you, you just you find something that you enjoy, and and you find some of these games, uh, and I think you know you'd be surprised what's out there if you just do a little bit of digging.
0: Well, fantastic. Well, thank you for coming on uh, Adventure to Innkeeper, to help sort of give our our listeners a little bit more of an idea of different styles of LARP that are out there. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to be here. Thank you. And finally, before we get to our studio guests, we have Alessandro of Chaos League, uh, the group who runs Expedition Sahara and Bunker 101. Um, He will be telling us about the Southern Way New Italian style LARP. Um, So today we have Alessandro uh, Gianucci of Chaos League as a guest to talk to us about the Southern Way, new Italian style LARP. Uh, so if you could please introduce yourself to the listeners.
4: Hello, hi Martin, hello everybody. I'm Alessandro Gianucci from Chaos Leap. I'm a lecturer and a LARP designer. I started in 1992 founding Chaos Leap with other, of course. Uh, I organized some international LARPs such as Banco 101, New Atlantis, and the recent Sahara expedition. And also I write articles and conferences about LARP and I travel all over Europe to play and give speech. And I co-wrote the Southern Way New Italian Style Manifesto. And I'm happy to be there.
0: Excellent. So, welcome on the show. And um, and how would you describe the Southern Way New Italian Style LARP to a new player? It is a style of play
4: that focuses on the participatory storytelling. We wanted to propose a reflection on LARP as a medium, as a specific form of art and entertainment. Above all, our intention was to provoke a debate on what are the responsibilities of storytellers and players. In a certain way in LARP, the story and the interaction of the characters within the context is a fundamental part of the narrative. The story creates the meaningful context for the player's experience. The interactions are the part that mainly concern the author and designers. We want each player to be able to express their potential in a safe environment where they can actually feel and be co-authors for the event. Characters, for example, are, are always have white spaces that players can feel with their sensitivity. The Southern Way style prefers stories that have symbolic value, We believe that the LARP has incredible specificities and potentialities. It is necessary to open a wider reflection to fully understand them.
0: Thank you for that. Um, So compared to other styles of LARP, such as Nordic LARP or Boffer LARPs, what would you say sets the Southern Way New Italian style apart? Um,
4: The thing um, we were interested in was putting Italy on the map. Show that we were there since a long time, trying to find our own way and telling the stories we wanted to tell. We don't think that our approach is better than the others. We simply need to show that the LARP scene is plural and full of differences that can enrich our activity. Truly, there were some similarities with, for example, Nordic styles, for example, regarding the cooperative playing styles. We also do only one-shot event and we try to focus on the immersion as much as we can. But every LARP we produce has its own specificity. For example, solving mysteries were very important for our expedition, but it's not important for the secret we keep, a fully transparent LARP about childhood and memories we wrote last year. In conclusion, the Southern Way Side is mainly a guide for us as authors and creators, than for players. Players can just follow
0: the design. So do all the LARPs that Chaos League run use the Southern Way New Italian style?
4: The Southern Way style is not an ideology, but rather a discourse in which the voices of many organizers and players can be heard. More than a style, it is a manifesto. It's something we want to bring to the attention of the LARP scene to enhance a prolific dialogue. In general, yes, the Chaos League organizes LARP in Southern Way New Italian LARP style, but we believe it's a phase. We don't know how long it will be we but we don't intend to block our creativity in a manifesto like forever the manifesto will probably evolve or die change is generative is transformative at the moment chaos league organizes events with typical uh, southern way characteristics that is i will do a a short list if you want for organizer we require you to design store with allegorical or symbolic meaning that addresses complex issues and the players are required to put themselves in the game by experimenting with the other character and also themselves as person um, establish during the game and hopefully also before and after uh, the lab a honest human relationship with other players and organizers and number three having the urge to participate by believing in the LARP, which you participated investing your energies to be co-author of the experience and rejected a passive role. And number four, all of the flow of the game, just play, listen to the people you are experiencing, be present and take care of the others.
0: Thank you for that. Um, is, is there anything else that you would like our listeners to know about the Southern Way new Italian style art? Uh,
4: you, you can find in, interesting text in uh, the blog section of our, of our website www.skaoslink.org. I invite you to follow the site and also the Facebook page to stay updated if you want it, of course. If you want to try one of of our LARP, the secret we keep, uh, one of our most appreciated LARP, will take place in September and um, sign-up is still open. And of course, if you have more questions, please write to us. We will be more than happy
3: once again.
0: Fantastic! Thank you for for taking the time to come on the show today and and explain to our listeners about the uh, Southern Way New Italian style.
4: So thank you for having me, and uh, uh, big hugs
0: to you and all the listeners. Excellent! Thank you very much, Alejandro. Thank you. Now that we have heard from our pre-recorded guests, it's time to turn to our studio guests, and I will begin with Laura, who will be talking to us about theater LARP. So, if you could please introduce yourself to our listeners.
1: Uh, hi, my name is Laura Boylan. I have been LARPing for almost 20 years now. I started out at um, MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology in um, Cambridge, Massachusetts. And from there, I branched out to InterCon, which is a long running uh, local LARP convention. And then from there, I've done Boffer LARP. I've LARPed in California and Sweden at various conventions. Um, I've been writing since about 2003. I have probably run close to 100 uh, one-shot sessions of LARPs.
0: Excellent. So how would you describe a theater LARP to a new player?
1: So a theater LARP is a game that is generally one shot or it's run once um, generally from Two hours to six hours. There are longer ones that can run for a whole weekend, or at MIT, there's a tradition of running a 10 day game where you have two intense weekends and then play during the week, often over spring break and things like that. It is a game where the GMs, the game writers, are going to write the whole world for you. They're going to write your whole characters and they're going to be setting up this system and then hitting the on button. And then you take over and live out your character's lives and try to achieve their goals and fail to achieve their goals and work with the relationships you have with people. Um, And one of the key aspects is um, transparency and secrets. In some games, people go up to each other and like, well, my character's up to this and we can interact that way. In these games, you don't say anything pregame, any secret that you're Character knows, only your player knows it, and the GMs, obviously. So a bunch of the play is about surprise and reaction and sometimes scheming to try to keep people from finding things out or making alliances. And really, for me, dramatic reveals are and intensely written characters that have been written for me are my favorite aspects.
0: Well, excellent. So... Compared to other styles of LARP, such as Nordic or Boffer, what would you say sets theater LARP apart?
1: Um, So for this, I'm going to make a little bit of reference to the Mixing Desk of LARP, which is um, a document that came out of the LARP Summer School program in Europe, um, which helps people define what kind of LARP they're doing. Um, So the scenography is generally not 360. 360. It varies a lot if people are going to have costumes or not or props, but it's generally not looking for that super intense, you're in a castle kind of thing. They tend to have mechanics um, that you know determine how you can interact with the world. Sometimes, like in the MIT games, they can be very complicated. Other times they can be pretty minimal. Um, the, it's the world creation and the character creation that I think are the the primary difference and something that I see a lot of people feel wary of if they're used to designing their own characters. Um, And the, the transparency level, where you wanna be transparent with the players about the general experience and what kind of feelings they're going to expect, but you want to maintain surprises so that they don't know exactly what their character is going to experience.
0: Excellent. Um is is there anything else that you would like our listeners to know about Theater LARP?
1: Um that it's pretty varied. Um the I started at MIT. MIT Theater LARP started out of having games of assassin or killer where people had you were given each other's names in a circle and you wanted to show up and, you know, find someone in their dorm and shoot them with a toy gun and then you got their kill list and you saw who won. And then to put it in really broad terms, people were like, what if we had groups? What if we had goals? What if we had individual characters? And then in the mid eighties, this evolved to what looks like a modern theater life. Like one of them, very famous one, Murder in the Starlight Express is still being run like next month at MIT. And also, um, so out in California, Um, Jay Lee and Shifting Forest came up with the term Parlor LARP coming out of White Wolf games, which they had no knowledge of what anybody was doing in New England or anywhere else. But they're like, let's have a game that we can run in our living room for like four to eight people over three hours and we'll write this stuff in advance. And they just came up with it independently. Um, But there's sort of a lot of convergence that people like wind up doing similar sorts of things. Without having um, actually interacted before. Um, and also, that it's awesome. <laughs> and even if you've played a theater LARP, or I often use the phrase secrets and powers LARP, that you didn't love, there might be one out there that you really will love.
0: Well, th- thank you for that, Laura. That actually brings back some good memories for me because I, I went to, I started my college career at UMass Amherst. Oh. And I can't tell you how many games of Assassin we probably played my freshman year.
1: <laughs> it's very popular with, as a freshman activity.
0: Um, so thank you for that. Uh, next, let me turn to Drew to help us better understand buffer LARPs. So Drew, if you could please introduce yourself to the listeners.
2: Uh, hi, my name's Drew. I've been LARPing for about eight years now. I've been working for a company for about seven. Um, I don't know. What else yeah, What else do you want to
0: know? Uh i uh, that i think that's a good introduction okay. so so how how would you describe buffer Larp to a new player
2: uh Larp is to put it easily it's your very d and d based or like almost skyrim based where you have your character that you design you have your stats you have a lot of mechanics it's not overwhelming it's a very fun system, but it's very um you get your buffer, you choose your weapon type, you're calling out like 10 steel when you hit, you have your hit points, everything. So it's very, very much like D&D in real
0: life. And and just to clarify one thing for the listeners, how would you define a buffer specifically?
2: A uh, buffer is usually, um, the most common one is the like PVC pipe with the insulation foam around it and then duct tape that you see. Uh, but there are now a lot of companies out there producing, like, really nice, high-quality buffers that look like actual swords and everything. So, foam weapons.
0: So, compared to other styles of LARP, such as Nordic or or theater, what would you say sets buffer LARP apart?
2: Um, one is definitely the mechanic system. Uh, N- Nordic, there's no real hit point system or anything like that in any of the games that I've played. Uh, I'm trying to think. So you have stuff like that. Um yeah, so it's you, your mechanic systems is your basis. Um, that's your big thing. You have a lot of scenery that goes into it. Uh there's difference, like some buffer LARPs will not have a lot of scenery. Our company tends to do a lot of work into that.
0: Okay, um, so is there anything else that you would like listeners to know about boffer larp?
2: Um, it's a really good way to start and get your like get your toes into larping. It's a very good, you know, the standard of everybody's first larp usually. Um, and then once that you have that down, you can start to get into the more nordics, and that's just everything becomes easier.
0: All right. Well, thank you for that, Drew. Um, So we're gonna open up the discussion then uh, with going into some of the differences between these various formats. Um, And first, we're gonna focus on plot versus participatory LARP. So I'm gonna give you guys my description of each of these so that we can have a starting point. Um, A plot LARP is one that I would describe as you being like a patron of, of Rick's bar in the movie Casablanca. You can order food from the waiter, you can order drinks from the bar, you can ask Sam to play a song. You can participate in an illicit card game. You can say hi to Rick or, or, or Ilsa as they walk by. But no matter what you do, you can't change the outcome of the story. The plot is set. Um, and a participatory LARP I would define as one where you have heavy he, uh, sort of heavier character agency. You can affect the outcome of the LARP. Um, so using the Rick's bar example, you could stand up and shoot Rick in the first scene. Uh, you could help the police round up the usual suspects by bringing by bringing them the Nazis. You could run off with Elsa yourself and any of those actions would sort of dramatically change the story. So with that as a guide, um, let's discuss the plot versus participatory within each of the styles that we've been presented. Um, So Laura, would you like to go first?
1: Yeah, I'd love to talk about Casablanca as an example, um, because that's a movie that within um, the theater style community I come from, um, especially with the MIT people, we look at that, we're like, oh, that movie was such a LARP. And I think the odds are very high there has been a Casablanca inspired LARP in these communities. There's Probably thousands of games now, so I don't know. But I can look at that, and that would be a great thing to run a LARP. If I ran it, it wouldn't be that the story is just about um, uh, Rick and Ilsa and everyone. It would be about everyone in that situation. There would be people who have... um, Everyone in the background would have their own rich inner life and their own interactions. Like, maybe there would be um, more of the visas... Available, but also people would have all kinds of conflict. Like, someone would think that someone they love is being too much of a collaborator. Someone would have like terrible secrets. They would have like all their own personal goals. And Rick and Elsa would be, um, is it Elsa? Anyway, um, they would have their own story, but it would not be any more important than any of the other stories because that is a pressure cooker. It's a It's a great one. There's a very specific time period and place and strong external pressures because everyone is going through this intense situation and there's lots of different ways it winds up working out. But I think that could be a great um, Secrets and Powers LARP Um, or Secrets and Powers is a term um, developed by uh, Evan Turner and uh, Catherine Castelia Jones about um, a certain kind of theater LARP where... Basically, everyone has secrets and you often have powers. Some things that are theater LARP can be much lower mechanic. And I've run games like that where it's a tea party and people have a lot of secrets. And there was like one tiny mechanic for trying to poison somebody. But otherwise, it was just about secrets and how jealous you were of your sister and um, how you didn't know that your son was secretly gay and things like that.
0: So I actually think that it it also from a participatory standpoint lends itself very well to a nordic larp style mm-hmm. in the sense where you know you'll get the the here's the overall plot but here's all of your little subtle intrigues that you can sort of work out along the way and it it, it the story itself is one that i think works very well with that kind of overall larp and i think it could be a really fun a really fun sort of story to to run through in that perspective. Um it it obviously has some of the genre larp, you know, pieces surrounding it in the sense that you're setting yourself in a specific period of history. You know, you're obviously, you know, beginning of World War II, so you get that whole sort of 1940s style that's associated with it. Um but It's it's one that I think lends itself very well to that style as opposed to the plot style of LARP where, you know, the beginning is set and the ending is set and how you get there is really set. And, you know, you have one or two things that you can do, but once you're done with those one or two things, you're essentially done with your part of the story.
1: Uh, That brings up um, one thing I forgot to mention that's important with theater-style LARPs is that the ending is not set. The GMs may have surprises for you to react to along the way, but the players have control over their experiences in a real way. Um, And everything that's going on, you can go interact with. Like I've played some LARPs where it's like, oh no, those people are playing out a pre-scripted scene. And I don't know that, so I don't know how to interact with it. But it's sort of... um, A lot of people are going for a lot of simulation. It's like these people are around here and I can interact with them by talking to them. And basically I think of mechanics as anything you need to do something more complicated than talking and moving around. Um, But that freedom to craft your own story and not have a pre-written ending is very important. When people started experimenting with pre-written endings in theater style games, there was outrage. <laughs> um, like there's a game that's a very good game, um, I'll just say it, The Last Seder by Alleged Entertainment, where the game is, as people started to call it, on on rails, on a railroad. And it's a fantastic game as long as you know that you can't stop the ending. Like it's a sci-fi parable that draws a lot on um, The Last Supper. And at the end, the Jesus character is going to get arrested and you can't stop that. And people who played that were incredibly unhappy that their agency was gone. And this is before we'd heard of Nordic LARP over here in the Boston area.
0: So I've done a LARP that's very similar to that where at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter what the characters do, the end scene is going to happen. And and I'm going to save that experience for a a later show and I will get into it all, I promise you. Um, But because the... The LARP is running uh, two more times mm-hmm. before the show airs. Or, yeah, sorry, after the show airs. I, I really don't want to spoil spoiler warning too much to everybody. So I, I promise everyone I will get into that because I'm going to share that particular experience and get some people on from that particular LARP to discuss it. But, I mean, I've, I've been in a situation where, you know, it's it's the same kind of thing where it doesn't really matter what your character does. You have certain things you have to do. But one small example I can give is there are certain keys you need to unlock something at the end of the game and to attempt to change that, one of the characters just held on to the keys mm-hmm. and yet the thing's still unlocked because that's where the design of the game went.
1: So it was low agency. Yeah. Which I've I've had fun with games like that and I will try most styles of LARP, but it's not my favorite. I start to lose immersion when I don't feel like my character can just interact as a regular person would in the world, that their actions have limited meaning. And my emotional reactions to relationships, that can mean a hell of a lot. But I want the ending to be our story.
0: So I, and, and I agree completely. And I think that had I known that going into this LARP, I would have prepared for it very differently than I mm-hmm. did. And it would have been a much better experience. And, and I think that was... That was something that was really sort of missed by the organizers. They didn't quite give that info up front as well as they could have. Expectation setting is just so important. Yeah. So, but I mean, so so looking back at the at the at the Rick's bar example, um, you know, you're, you're you're sitting over here wonderfully quietly at the moment, Group. and 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 I figured sort of you know. Boffer LARP is one that probably doesn't work well with Rick's Bar because, I mean, aside from the, you know, a bar shootout, but h- how would you, you know, how would you do something like that or, or, or just, you know, from a plot versus participatory standpoint?
2: Um, so, I mean, most of the Boffer LARPs you tend to run into, it is participatory. You know, you have the standard hero's journey. Your players write their own, like, you have to adapt to what your players are doing. There's been points where, oh hey this thing's supposed to happen at the end of the weekend oh one of the players wandered off and found the main part two hours in okay well let's let's run it um that being said we have run at least two games where it was a plot LARP in the sense that beginning was written end was written middle they could kind of do what they want and think that it was a participatory LARP and think that they were affecting the game, end of the game comes, no matter what, this town's still getting destroyed, yada, yada.
1: Did the players know that they couldn't affect the ending?
2: Nope.
0: So, I mean, in essence, I think that that's sort of a a key to LARP is if you have good writing, and if the writing, even if you're stuck in a plot LARP, If the writing is such – well, so if the writing is such that you don't know you're stuck in a plot LARP. Yes. If you think that your actions are affecting the outcome because the GMs keep dropping little tiny hints that, you know, oh, you're going toward the destruction of this town and you try to veer off and, and the GM can subtly steer you back to that town destruction, then, you know, that makes for a better game, I think, at the end of the day.
1: If I can if I can do a hot take? Yeah, sure. Uh I think it's bad practice if not unethical to have a player show up to a game and be have expectations that mismanaged of whether they know whether they can affect this kind of game or not because people have a right to understand what kind of experience they're going to even if they're not spending a ton of money and traveling it's it's always a collaborative experience. People are always together, playing together, doing things, and people just need to
0: know what they're signing up for so they can do things that they're not going to hate. So I completely agree. I just think it's – it. so I look at it slightly differently. If I'm going to be stuck in a plot LARP, at least make it feel like it's not a plot LARP.
1: Yeah. Well, should you, should you just not be at – Plot LARP. Because some people obviously enjoy Pro- Plot larp.
0: Probably, realistically, I should not be at a Plot LARP. They they drive me nuts. Because if people want to be at a Plot LARP and they
1: want it to feel like a Plot LARP, then they should do that. Right. We should be somewhere else. Right. Because I so, want... There's no... Uh, just to be really clear, I don't think any kind of LARP or very few kinds of LARP are inherently bad. And then... Um, uh, that's a dangerous statement. It's not really about good and bad. It's about what different people enjoy. And then you can have level of craftsmanship within that. But I'm not going to say – I don't want to play Vampire LARP. But I'm not going to say it's bad. I don't know. People seem to really be into it.
0: Right. Um, so let's move on to sort of a different different style. Um, let's move on to to talking about one-shots versus multi-shot, mm-hmm. uh, multi-story LARPs. And just as a quick definition for everybody – you know, a one-shot larp would be something where you show up for that day or that weekend and that's your entire story. That's it right there. Um the multi-story larp would be something like dystopia rising where the story keeps going every time. You know, every time you go it's it's now it's part 2 or part 3 or part 4. Um so that's sort of the definition that I'm I'm working with and and if you guys have a different definition, you know, I uh, obviously I'd like to hear that as well. So Wait, so yeah, the
1: phrase ahead. that I've generally used um, in my communities for that is a campaign LARP.
0: Yeah, campaign LARP is, is, is a fair way to look at it, yeah. Just
1: different terms for different people, yeah. but for people who are listening who know that one, that's what we're talking about.
0: So, I mean, a, a good example is is uh, Fairweather Manor was, a, was two different stories, but they were both essentially one-shot LARPs. It was either the Duke's daughter's wedding, or it was the Duke's birthday.
3: Mm-hmm. So
0: you went to one of those two events, or you could, I mean, you could obviously go to both, but you went to one of those two events, and depending on the year that they set it in, so yeah, his daughter got married multiple times <laughs> in different
1: years. So this was a, a a one-shot game with, like, one plot that ran multiple times with fairly similar fairly events? Sim-
0: fairly similar events. It changed years as the years moved on, so I think the game started in... I want to say the game started in 2013, but I could be wrong on that. Um, and it was set 100 years prior, so it was 1913. So, like, the first two runs, uh, you know, they had German members of the Fairweather family there, too, because World War I hadn't started yet. And then once World War I started, they no longer had the German Fairweathers there because now, you know, can't invite the Germans to an English wedding in an English country house during World War I.
1: So the um, previous events were canonical? Could people keep playing the same characters?
0: I don't think you could play the same characters. I think you had to change characters. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't a continuation of your story. Every time was a new story for that character because you were a new player. Um, The timeline moved on. So I guess the Duke's birthday happens every year regardless, right? But the Duke's daughter's wedding, unless she's constantly getting divorced every year, which I guess could theoretically happen, it's not sort of a continuation. So it was a continuation. It was sort of like a weird mishmash of both. So it's like a sequel? A movie sequel? I don't even know if I want to call it a movie sequel. It's, it's kind of like a weird mix of, of a campaign LARP, except it's not quite a campaign, but it's not quite a one-shot
1: either. So I'm thinking of us, you have something like um, New World Magiscola... And um I only went the, the first year, but we had um four runs in one summer where we were basically starting from the same place and like the same big conflicts were going on and then after that it got complicated with, you know, well, which of these stories do we continue and how? So is it if the du if the Duke's if at the Duke's daughter's wedding there was like a huge row and the two people got
0: divorced, the next year those characters would still be divorced? So not necessarily they might be hmm. they, they might be married again because the plot in a sense resets. But they they would still have gotten divorced. Not necessarily. Okay, this is and fascinating. It, it it was a really bizarre setup, and and that's kind of what that's kind of why I think I I brought it up because it was sort of. I loved the LARP by the way. I had a great time at that LARP. It was a lot of fun, and you know I I played a character in the American contingent who who. Was a friend of the family a friend of the American part of the family but my guy was a, uh, an American aviator who'd gone over <laughs> to fly with the Lafayette Escadrille and then you know so this year was the 1917 year so it was going to be okay now the you know the Americans are coming over now so you're being mm-hmm. pulled from the Escadrille to go train American pilots um, and this was a game set this was a game run in the UK uh, run in Poland oh, Okay, in, in in Majna Castle in Poland um, because it, it had this, it, so it's a, it's, it's like an estate home in essence. And mm-hmm. it, it feels very like a, a, you know, a Duke could be living here. Um, but it's also an upstairs downstairs game. Um, and, and by that, I mean, it's got, it, it has, you know, the people who live upstairs, the nobles and their guests, and then it has the, the servants who live downstairs and if you play a servant, you could actually wind up doing some servant work. Um, so they never did the cooking, for example. That was always done by the, the hotel staff and was served to us because Majna Castle is a is a is like a tourist resort hotel kind of thing. Um, but you could, for example, leave your shoes out at night with a little tiny note for the servant to go shine your shoes.
1: Uh, and if I recall correctly, were the servant characters paying less to be
0: at the larp they were paying less to be at the larp mm-hmm. which was a big benefit for them and there were game mechanics to get them out of stuff like shining your shoes um, it was I think the game mechanic was something to the effect of of uh, you know uh, i i'm I'm not that kind of servant so I'll have to check with someone else mm-hmm um, it was something to that that style that basically let them say, look, this is the most boring task you could possibly have given to me. Please don't give this to me. <laughs> um, and, you know, that had to be respected by everybody when you did that. But it was interesting because it was. So a one shot LARP, I would say, you know, is the, the quintessential game of Assassin. It's it's a one shot LARP where it's, it's over and done with. You've played it. It's done. Um, you know, the multi-story LARP would be, for example, Outbound Hope or Legend of the Stars, where the previous year is like episode one, and the next year is episode two, the third year is episode three. Fairweather Manor was some weird sort of mix of all of them. It's
1: wild. It's very interesting.
0: And it was just such a weirdly unique way of setting it up, because you could have gone to the Duke's Wedding... And you show up for the next event, which might very well be the the Duke's daughter getting married. And it's brand new characters. Um, You know, so the girl who played the Duke's daughter in the one that we went to was at a previous LARP that was also the Duke's daughter's wedding, where she was one of the bridesmaids. But she wasn't the Duke's daughter in that one. She was the daughter of like some other branch of the family.
1: That would be difficult for me mentally <laughs> to go through those and and have those those uh those lines be fuzzy.
0: Yeah, and, and it, so it was great for me because it was the first time I'd done the LARP. So for me, it was you know a straight up one shot
1: character. Yeah, here I am. This is the world I'm in. Everything straightforward.
0: Right. But so Drew, you guys, I mean the the group that you work with does Legend of the Stars, which is definitely a a multi-story arc yeah so i mean you know what's what's your guys approach to that multi-story arc as opposed to as opposed to the one-shot game of assassin or as opposed to this really bizarre but fascinating fairweather concept
2: um so like as you said you've played through legend of the stars that's been i think we've ran it three times so far
0: and two for kids
2: yep and two for the youth. Um, so. Um that's one of our things is that we run both adult and youth events our youth larp um we actually just finished our story and it's done the world has reset oh wow so right now we're doing a couple different um single like one shot larps
0: they blew up the ship the last time yeah
2: i, I was there <laughs> i mean tater did too oh, Nice. or no he didn't blow up the ship he blew up the universe Nice. Um but yeah, so we've been running a lot of one shot LARPs right now of this is the backstory leading up to the next story, you guys get to play like little generals in the army, and you can affect the story there, but it's not gonna, you know, be part of the main story. Um As for Legend of the Stars of following through the campaign, it has been very difficult because we go in each time with our plot written out to a point and after the first one we learned where you guys just took it and completely went off the rails somebody stole the space baby it's
1: no plot uh survives first contact with
2: the players nope n- n- never just absolutely never survives with the players um one especially of, martin
0: one of these days i'll have to get rob on here to talk to to talk about Stealing, or or, or <clears throat> misappropriating the the props from the the um, people running the plot because I think he made off with like ninety percent of your stuff.
2: Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, I mean uh, it, it was all in his bunk.
0: Yep. <laughs> um. All right. Well, let's uh, let's take a, a look at um, sort of finally to round this out at, at player focused versus player versus player LARPs. Um, so again, a player-focused LARP would be one where you get to explore your character, you get to figure out sort of what your motivations are, whether you've got that dark hidden secret, whether you know you've got a lover in the next in the next building, um, those kind of of things. Versus the all-out player versus player, where you know your goal is to to survive and take everybody else out, kind of thing, or your goal is to outmaneuver everybody else in this game of spycraft kind of kind of concept so so thoughts oh yeah definitely
1: that they're i this is what i say for most things like well it's not entirely mutually exclusive Um,
0: and they're definitely not so that that's one. i think that's one of the things we want to we want to cover so um yeah
1: so i um in most larps that i've written um, so I have run freeform games and theater style games, but my writing skills are definitely, at least currently, much more in the theater style. Um, like I write long character sheets that people like. I do really developed world building. And um, the it's a different skill set to give people a small amount to run with as opposed to giving them a lot. Um, but I've written a game that has characters crying, they're miserable, they're finding, they, they sign up for that, they want to cry. Lots of people want to cry. and They're finding out terrible secrets about their parents and they want to run away with their lover at the same time that there are people doing intense spy plots and they may be crying over in the corner and then find out that the ship's going to blow up, which is a very difficult kind of thing to have and can be very jarring. It can also be very good. So it can be that some people are, trying to take everybody out and other people are part of that story and also crying. And perhaps if they cry enough, they won't destroy the ship as a really reductive way of talking about it.
0: No, I, I think that's that's very true. I mean, you know, I, I like LARP. Where Don't get me wrong. I, I like a good PvP LARP. I, I loved yeah. Assassin when I played it. It was an absolute blast. And it's the kind of game that that, you know, it lets you get that, that mental aggression out of, I'm, you know, I'm going to run around and shoot you guys and, and take you out, and hopefully I don't get taken out in the process.
1: Endorphins and getting to do, like, a gamist aspect. Like, I right. like to have things similar to board games and some of my LARPs. It's fun.
0: Um, but at the same time, I really like the the player-focused LARP where I get to sort of explore different aspects of who I am and and I'll admit that so I I've been larping for a long time. I started with small D&D larps that grew out of D&D games and then did vampire for a while and then did stuff like assassin and been doing that essentially since middle school. Um and to give you people a a a guesstimate of how long that's been, I'm in my 40s. So you can do that mental math. Um but You got me beat. <laughs> But, you know, I, I I took a decided about 10-year break there before I went back and started doing more of the Nordic-style sort of modern, modern concepts of LARPing that were sort of expanded outside that small little network. And one of the things I've loved doing is exploring characters that are essentially myself
1: mm-hmm.
0: with slight differences. Like, how would I have been different if... Um you know so two two great examples of that are again the character that I played for Fairweather. Um I've lived so the character was from Chicago, I've lived in Chicago, but I didn't grow up there so you know that that's different. Um the character was in the army, I was in the navy. Uh the character was a pilot, I have a pilot's license. Um the character fought during a war and I served in essence during peacetime and partially the Cold War. So you know very different sort of aspects for the characters and how would i live that other character's life um you know outbound hope was another good one where i wound up serving as the exo on the ship because it it was just a different aspect of of a character that i wanted to explore um so and and you know i'll 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 give a small spoiler for 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 sahara um, I was, you know, the head of the Legion group for that one, which in essence is based on the French Foreign Legion. So what would my life have been if I decided to say, you know, screw all of this and ran away and joined the Legion?
1: And that could be so much fun. A phrase I've um heard and used a lot for that is playing close to home.
0: Yeah. Like I
1: could, I enjoy both like playing something wildly different than myself to just have a lot of the reasons why I run various kinds of LARPs is to help build empathy for people to play something very different from their own lives and have more understanding of that. But then it's also fantastic for you know personal growth to play something very similar and have um, alibi to act things out differently and to explore things and to possibly wind up processing emotions about your parents in a way you didn't expect to. It can be very healing.
0: Yeah, and this is a little tiny preview of, of the next episode because the next episode is going to focus very much on – that kind of LARP setup. Oh, uh, fantastic. Both on sort of the, the personal level of choosing a character that, you know, is a completely different part of your life that you may want to explore, um, and also sort of the, the psychological recovery aspects of LARP, you know, things like why the debrief is important. Oh, great, um, great. Why, you know, why controlling bleed is important, or, mm-hmm. or in some cases, why letting bleed happen is important. Um, so that's that's sort of a, a mini preview of the next one in essence but for this one I think that that it's you know I would say that um legend of the stars is is a is a good example because it's one that's both it's both the the player introspective larp where you have the character but it's also that player versus player LARP, I guess, because you've got the different factions. So, you know, thoughts on that? Um,
2: Yeah, so one of the things we do is, and you can talk on this better than I, I didn't work on the character writing team.
0: I wasn't on character writing either. No, but
2: as a player, you filled out the survey where it was like, oh, what kind of things are you looking for? Which archetypes do you want? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so from that information, we went in and wrote a lot of the mods around that. So we were using exactly what the players wanted and exactly what their character wanted out of the story, and we were trying to make it happen as much as possible. Um, But, yeah, as you said, there are three different factions in it. There's the NPC, like, just basic crew, uh, and then there's the two major factions. Um, I don't want to spoil too much and get into that, but...
0: It, it, well, I it, the things that are available publicly when you sign yeah. up for the yeah. LARP. It's 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 in essence it, 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 it's in essence um, light side and dark side.
2: Yeah, uh, light space wizards versus dark space wizards. Um. Yeah, and then when I played,
1: also it was like I felt like it was space wizards versus the crew that I was on. Yeah, and then I was sitting there like struggling with issues about like collaboration and my place in the universe and stuff like that, despite it still being a As you said, a big conflict
0: LARP. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it it was in essence the play. I mean, so it was. And it's really funny because that one actually sort of changed as the LARP ran. So the first game, which was a really small game, a lot of fun, but it was a really small game. I think we were, what, eight players and maybe ten Oh no, I'm sorry. We were six players. Yeah, that was all your team. Yeah, it was six players, no, cuz it wasn't it wasn't all mine. It was Tarkrat was there and um, and Icarus was there too. They were also players. Yeah. So it was it was it was four of us plus the two of them and then the rest was all NPCs. Um and yeah, we completely stole your plot on that one mainly because so the plot for that one was that uh, you know I I had been a major backer of it and and the plot had been that my that that the crew was going to get my, my the the ship crew was going to get my crew to in essence rebel against me and stab me in the back. and my crew decided let's play along with the ship crew and then when that moment comes, let's turn on them instead. And this is a sci-fi LARP, right? This so. is a sci-fi LARP. Yep. And where's so, it run? Uh, so this one, the first year it was run on the USS Massachusetts. The second uh, the second and third year it was run on the USS Salem. Um, and it was hysterically funny because we, in essence, Babylon 5 the plot by forcing the first-year crew to set up this sort of galactic, galactic um, mini-senate that was like one representative from each group. <laughs> Sort of like the Babylon Five Council. Um, it, it was it, it was an it was an awesome LARP for for a really small group of people. The next year, I think we were close to twenty players.
2: I want to say yeah, like between sixteen and
0: twenty players. Um, and then the third year, it was it was bigger still. I mean, almost it, it, thirty. I think. Yeah, so. it kept growing, which was which was awesome because it meant more people. Yeah. Um, but you know the the. The way that it changed from year to year was that, in essence, the first game was set, like, thousands of years in the past. And then the next game was you found this derelict ship that was haunted. So I, I when describing it to people, I like to use Event Horizon, in essence, as the description. The, the the movie, not the LARP. Right. The mo- <laughs> Yes, the movie, not the LARP. Um, because... The ship was there, and as the game went on, the ship got more and more insane. And I just remember going into the computer core and having, like, all the little, I guess in essence, nanobots moving stuff around in the computer core and fixing things as you went in to break them. And there was this one guy, uh, uh, um, Evan, who was playing an NPC... And every time he put something back where it was supposed to be, it was clean stack. And every time I have to move something from one pile to another, one folder from another in my computer, I just hear that repeated in my head.
1: <laughs> you have, weird things stick with you.
0: Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it, it's just that, but, um, so any other thoughts on, on player versus player, uh, or, and, and sort of player focus LARPs?
1: Um, uh- I like a hybrid um I'm not sure I I'm actually not sure exactly where the line is between them um I think because I've, I've played hundreds of larps so um and a lot of the larps that I've played like these a lot of these terms are very new and they're not consistent and I have to like think hard to be like well how would you classify that one larp that I played um but I I think there's value in everything and I think it's great for um, LARP players and especially LARP designers to just go try different styles. Like I've spent a long time, people who are, you know, theater style, who are like, oh, Nordic, you just like sit around and do a theater exercise. And um, Nordic people who are like, I couldn't stand having secrets. And it's like, give it a go. You will probably make you a better designer. Even if you see things that you don't like, you'll be able to, um, at least to yourself, explain what it is that you didn't like. And it's just... All knowledge of different kinds of LARP helps in one way or another. Um,
2: I gotta say that it's very hard to separate the two. Like, yes, there's clear definitions, but inherently players will try to turn it into a PvP. Uh, We ran a zombie LARP, and the first time we ran it, we found the easiest way to run this was, you're not going to actually have any NPC enemies until nighttime, because... Y'all are just off fighting and stealing from each other all day anyway, so why not just let you guys go over there and play in the corner? Um I think that varies a lot based on player group, whether people are
1: going to turn push things towards PvP. Like I've played with a lot of people who really want to just end the game hugging each other.
2: Um it's it's I've seen a ton of little LARPs I've been part of turn into immediately just PvP.
1: Yeah, and there's there's tons of that, but I think it's, it's not every group. But the, yeah. One of the problems is that there's there are LARPers in America who don't even know that anything besides Boffer LARP exists. Like there's yeah. it's very hard to make generalization even about American authors, but it's like if you have people who have used to this kind of, of LARP, then they often were going to start pushing it towards that, which can be difficult when you take a new LARP style to an established group of players. And I've been like, this isn't, well, we're going to play this the way that we play LARPs. Like when I first brought um, like non-MIT games to MIT, it wasn't just me, but I was a big part of that.
0: Yeah, I I think that it's it's really funny because one of the things I've discovered is that, you know, you're right. There are some people that will just step in and automatically make it a PVP LARP. Kids tend to go PVP really fast and they tend to go really dark PVP really fast. Yep. Um, You know. The 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 adults managed to not blow up the ship in Legend of the Stars, and the kids did like everything that just went towards ship blowing up. Oh yeah.
1: yeah. When I so I had played the adult version of Legend of the Stars, and then it was basically the same plot being run right. for um, like preteens, and I I had a really intense experience with that where it was like these these people are young, they do not have I guess fully developed senses of empathy, and the amount of like intensity and darkness was like actually didn't feel great for me Did. I was like oh playing with kids will be great and I'm like oh kids are they,
0: they went dark really fast
1: yeah there's actually uh, a term in the theater style community called Brandeising a LARP which would be you would take these PVP or these secrets and powers games to Brandeis and everyone would be like we can solve everything. We can all be happy. We do not. We can, everyone can get their goals one way or another. We're, and sometimes it would be, be like, well, those characters hated each other. Well, let's just decide we don't hate each other and then everything will be okay. Or let's have our characters be polyamorous to solve the love plots. Um,
0: and that's, that's kind of the thing that I like about Nordic LARP is that the concept that most Nordic LARPs work under is what's called um, play to lose or play to lift. Mm-hmm. So your goal isn't directly to win your specific character goal you can kind of help someone else win theirs and by doing that you'll get a better you might not hit your end goal or your end want but you'll have a better game as a result of it and and, and i find that that's it's a style of play that i enjoy so actually i guess that's sort of the the, the final discussion question here in essence is what if you had to choose one of these styles to play um, actually, both a, both a style and a a type of larp. Um, so what's the difference? So the difference would be, for example, a Nordic larp, uh, it would be the style of larp and a plot larp would be the type of larp. So if you see the, my problem and, is and, that and, and Nordic that,
1: larp is a poorly defined term. Okay, So because it, it contains black box little black box larps and then huge production value larps that have
0: true. So, but in, but, but for, for, let's say for a general perspective, if you had to choose one style of LARP that is your favorite style of LARP, that if, if you could only do that LARP for the rest of your life and you, you would be the happiest person on the planet, um, what would you pick and why?
1: I wouldn't be the happiest person on the planet because I would miss other options. But my answer is very easy. Only one thing left, secrets and powers. It's where I started. It's generally what gets me my best emotional immersion it gets me the really cool stories of the ups and downs. Like we would have um, awards uh, after some of the games at MIT, um, and some of them were snatching, snatching victory from the jaws of defeat, and snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. Like those moments when you almost succeed at the thing and fail. Like some, those are some of the best stories. I um, so I read an article before this um, by my friend Nat Budin about um, called Decoding the Default: Secrets and Powers LARP, which first appeared in the. Weird Con companion book in 2015. And he talked about how players in Secrets and Powers names need to have a kind of double think where they can immerse themselves in a goal directed way and also see their PC's function and understand that sometimes their PC has to lose for the good of the narrative. And one way I can see this play out is you're going to push really, really hard for your character's goals and try to be true to what they want. But then when you get to the end, you're much more flexible for like what's going to make people happy because sometimes your character really wants to blow up the world and the best story is you get really close you live out the experience of what that character wants and then at the end you find something more um, collaborative like I, I, I don't love the play to lose play to win distinction I'm glad like play to lift has come along I've also seen people go like Overboard with where playing to lose can also sometimes turn into like I'm going to win by losing the hardest, which then we're just like cyclically wrapping around in a, a weird way. Um, sometimes, but def-
0: sometimes that can be quite fun though.
1: Yeah, it's just it can be people should be aware of, right. of where they're at, but um, yeah, secrets and powers LARPs like meaty ones where I, I love me a 10,000 word character sheet and super complicated relationships with you know my lovers and my ex lovers and my family. And all of that. And um, uh, my, and ideally, it would be a three-day game where you ha- you play like four hours Friday and Sunday and then maybe like you know eight to ten hours on Saturday. And then afterwards, we all go out and get pizza and talk about how it went. And then next week, we play a different game. And even if I betrayed Peter this game, maybe next time he betrays me. And because we're all signed up for the same thing and those experiences – It doesn't super hurt because you had the alibi of you were playing a character, and we're just going to go play another one and tell a different story and have more stories.
0: Okay. True.
2: Um, I would have to choose Nordic LARP. It's just, I've been doing buffer LARP for about seven years. I just started doing the Nordic LARP when we started running Legend of the Stars, and... To see the creativity of the players come out so much more in the way they deal with their interactions, and the way they handle everything, um, it keeps us as a staff on our toes because so much more is now available to go wrong. And it's just... um, I can't really describe it. It's just a really amazing thing to watch.
1: Can I ask a follow-up question? Yeah. When you say Nordic LARP, which... What are the aspects of the great big world of Nordic LARP that are relevant to you and that you love? Um, you can have this document if you want. <laughs> Let's see. I just um, handed them
2: the missing desk of LARP. Uh, so the communication styles, the openness, um, the character creation, responsibility, the sonography, everything, um, not being trapped by the mechanics of a boffer LARP Mm-hmm. Not being trapped by that, oh, you can get so much more immersed by, like, actually acting out the scene versus hitting and going, oh, ten steel, whatever, having to keep track of numbers in your head. Um. That being said, I still love Boffer LARPs, but Nordic is by far my favorite.
1: And I have played Boffer LARPs where I've cried my face off. Yeah. There's a huge variety there, too. To so just keep being, you know, but actually all the time. My apologies.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I... I I agree. I mean, I I have to say that I, I, my favorite style is, is a Nordic LARP that lets me explore who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, One that focuses sort of, and, and it's not even necessarily it focuses on you as the player. It focuses on everybody, but you have a lot of opportunity to sort of explore yourself or explore the motivations that your character has. You know, why did you make that choice? You know, why is it that, you know, you come from a, a Hexborn family and yet you prefer hanging out with mundane borns? Um, all of those things and, and exploring that, I think, is really sort of the, the thing that makes a LARP a good LARP for me. So, And there's just
1: lots of ways to get there.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, so I think this has been an excellent discussion and I would love to continue this for, for hours and hours. But, oh, I could keep going. <laughs> but unfortunately, our time is coming to a close. Um, so thank you all for tuning into this episode of From Adventurer to Innkeeper, a podcast for all LARPers. Uh, our next episode, which we'll release on the uh, 19th of May, which actually, let me state that incorrectly, it's probably going to be the 19th of July, because this episode is the 19th of May, um, we'll examine modern day applications of LARP in the contextual, in the context of potential therapy or even just exploring context, uh topics that could be more impactful. Um, These will be topics covering both how LARP can be used to explore a different aspect of ourselves and also how we can make LARP safer through, for example, a dedicated person to help provide that safe space. Um, I would like to thank Laura and Drew for joining me live on the show. And also- Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, And also Alessandro, and alex for their pre-recorded interviews Uh, i'm your host martin and thank you for listening Uh, we'd like to thank our sponsor malbooks additionally we would like to thank lex media for the uh, use of the fred rothmill memorial podcast studio and please check out their links on our website which is adventurertoinkeeper.com all one word adventurertoinkeeper.com